pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to episode 92. Today we're going to chat with Trevor Rowe from Shadow Systems, talk about something crazy a teacher did, introduce a new segment, and discuss the Rex Delta. Today's panelist is Chris Deeb, and I'm your host, Ava Flanell. Welcome to the show, everyone. How are you guys doing? Good. Doing well. Me. I'm glad you guys are doing well. It actually snowed yesterday, took out a what? bunch of trees in my area. One of the trees like fell on my neighbor's car, and then another tree uh, just down the road from me like fell in this person's house. It's insane. It literally looks like the apocalypse came through my my neighborhood. It's karma because of all the mag restrictions. I know. No, no thanks for that weather. Wow. I know. I know. It's like I. I mean, I've been living in Colorado for a while now, and I have not seen it snow. I mean, it barely even snowed during the winter. Like this was probably the most snow we got. We got about a foot of snow. So pretty crazy. So yeah, just think things could be worse. You guys could be in my shoes right now. All right. So <laughs> we're going to talk about manicorms before we get into it. So I was scrolling through Manicore Arms website and I came across the Bren 805, the M-Lock Forend, which huh. is really nice because if you guys have ever shot that gun, it's yes. with a Picatinny Forend and it can be when you're holding onto it and you're shooting it, it can definitely be uncomfortable. So Manicore, they made a, they came up with a replacement so that it basically replaces that Picatinny underside rail with uh, something that's a lot more comfortable to grasp. And it also looks really nice. It's on the website for $79.95. But if you use that code GUNFUNNY15, you will get 15% off. And that is at manicorearms.com. I love that gun. It's so great. I've never shot one. Are they Really? Oh. No, I haven't, I haven't tried it yet. Oh, it's a sewing machine, buddy. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a nice gun. It looks pretty slick. Learn the things you never knew on Deconstructing the Industry. All right, Trevor. So thanks so much for joining us today. Before we get into it, what is your position at Shadow Systems? Sure. So uh, I'm the CEO of the company. I came on board um, a couple of years ago and uh, sort of been at the helm since about this time, 2017. Oh, nice. And how did you like, I mean, how did you get into the gun industry or were you in the gun industry before you joined Shadow? Sure. Sure. So, uh, so I was not directly in the industry. I worked in basically high technology manufacturer before that. Um, but I'd been a competitive shooter since I was like 15 years old. And so I'd, you know, done USPSA shooting and seen custom guns and been around guns and been an enthusiast forever always kind of like connected to the industry. I mean, I had some sponsorships when I was a kid, but really never working in the industry per se. So when Shadow Systems was formed, they basically were looking for a management team. And I'd worked with some of the investors before on other projects. Um, and so they basically nominated me for the role. And uh, and then I came on a couple of years ago. Oh, nice. And then how long has uh, Shadow Systems been around? So really end of 2016 was kind of when the company started. And, you know, the the goal at the time was to kind of focus more on the parts space. And um, 
we did that for, for a while and learned a lot of good lessons. We sort of then transitioned in 2017 into complete pistols, customizing Glocks primarily. Uh, we did some parts for other designs as well, but really the, you know, the, the bulk of the market was around the Glock, mostly the Glock 19. And then really the big news for the company has been this year where we launched our own completely proprietary pistol, um, the MR918. And that's kind of been sort of the go forward plan for the company is to focus on that. Very nice. Wow. You guys have covered uh, quite a bit just being such a new company. Yeah, it's been it's been a, a race, right? I mean, you you definitely try to stay nimble and move with the market. But I think from the very beginning, our goal was was to be, you know, a lot more than just a customizer. I mean, frankly, it's a pretty crowded space. And there's a lot of guys that do a really good job at modifying pistols, but we wanted to, you know, do something different and have really our own proprietary platform that would kind of knock everybody out, out of the park in terms of price and value. So that's what the MR918 was about, was like taking all these cool features that we'd been putting in custom guns and then have it all come right out of the box that way at more of like a production gun price. And so far it's been pretty well received. So the people that design the gun or that work at Shadow System, yeah. um, kind of like what was their background? Did sure. they have a lot of experience shooting guns or were they just kind of, because sometimes I think it actually helps if they don't have a ton of, you know, because then it's like over time you're like, oh, you, yep. kinda, you don't have as many good ideas. So I'm just kind of curious like what everyone's background was. For sure. So I, I do think you're right, first of all, that, you know, there's danger in like drinking the Kool-Aid and being around, you know, anything for too long, right? You need these yeah. fresh insights and new ideas. And that's totally true. So I, you know, I wasn't a gun industry guy, but I was a shooter and had, you know, also, I was an army infantry officer and went to sniper school and had been around guns and shot at matches. And I was a gun guy, but I wasn't necessarily a custom Glock guy. I shot more 1911s when I competed. I had a kind of a the other key designer who put a lot of input into this is a, a guy named Richie Pedersen. Richie was a Marine infantryman, uh, then went and worked uh, as a Dallas police officer and spent like 12 years on the Dallas police force before actually leaving to come to Shadow System. So, you know, he was a law enforcement military guy as well, but he had that kind of LE perspective. Um, he was more of a of a Glock guy than I was. So he had more of the kind of history and development of custom Glocks and knew who the players were and what had been done through the years and stuff like that. But, you know, again, it was not gun industry guy. The the uh, kind of lead engineer, the guy that we've had do a majority of the CAD work and so forth, not from the gun industry. The parts that he designed before were for bread baking equipment. So there's a, there's a little... Uh, wow. Yeah, different, different industry. So, you know, he came with like a fresh perspective as a traditional engineer, but not necessarily a gun guy. But he was a uh, he was a Marine when he was younger. So, again, he's got that kind of, you know, he's imbued with that same sort of value system of having it be reliable and and so on. Um, and I think really that's what came through more than anything is we were sort of tired of cool looking guns that don't work. Mm hmm. And there's, there's a lot of that, right? I mean, it's, it's kind of weird to say, but you hear people all the time say like, well, I, I love my custom whatever, but I would never carry it. And it's kind of like, man, that doesn't make any sense. Sometimes it's because of how much it costs and they're afraid they're going to lose it. 
sometimes it's because, you know, it's got like a two and a half pound trigger and they get light strikes every box of ammo, right? So we came into it with this idea of let's make sure these guns are like bet your life reliable. Let's not compromise and get too crazy on spring weights and trigger pulls. Let's make these things run first. And then if they also have cool features that people want that adds to the value of it, great. But the core stuff has to be reliable, you know, U.S. made, top materials, stuff like that. Um, and I think that comes from the fact that a majority of the guys that were giving input were from more of the military background where it's just got to go bang. Right. Yeah. So those were kind of the three primaries. We also had a lot of input from our sales manager who's um, worked for SIG and has done he's done lots of retail stuff in the gun world. And there were other people that gave input along the way. Many people. Um, we work with a guy named Dan Brokos, who um, has been a writer for Recoil magazine, has his own training company called Lead Fawcett Tactical trains military units, trains law enforcement agencies. Um, and he's, he's kind of the guy who we can hand a gun to and like, you know, he'll call a week and a half later and he's got 11,000 rounds on it, you know? So he's like the, he's the go-to for just high volume sort of shooting. But that was, those were the core, the core guys providing input. And Chris, you have shot one of Shadow Systems guns, right? Not yet, but soon, soon, soon. Well, I know the range that I use typically to record videos and that I bring students to, they have one of your guns. And I'm trying to think what model it was. And then the main, the manager there has sent his gun in for some upgrades from you guys. Oh, cool. He seems to be really happy with it. And what range is that? This is that Whistling Pines. Oh, is sure. Yeah. Whistling range? Pines Gun Club. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think they actually sell uh, a lot of your parts too. I believe they do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so they seem to be happy with it. And um and actually the manager's like my best friend, so we always talk gun stuff and we have like the same taste and uh very similar stuff. Except for guys. We don't seem to have the same taste in men, but Oh no, I'm kidding. <laughs> he's, he's not. <laughs> that made him sound gay, but he's not. <laughs> Yeah, Whistling Whistling Pines is a is a longtime customer. I think they've got MR nine eighteens coming too. You know, it's important to make the distinction, right? So when we were more in the custom Glock space and we were building custom Glocks using our parts, um, it was you know still on a relative scale an expensive handgun. You know, those were you know somewhere between twelve and fifteen hundred dollars, kind of at the retail level, and that was because look, we had like four hours of handwork in the grips alone. I mean, double undercuts, reductions on the back, thinning of the uh, the top of the back strap, the addition of a scallop around the mag button, all that stuff is like really time consuming. So this, there was a substantial amount of hand labor and that's what drove a lot of the price. The MR918 is a totally different deal. In this case, we've started from the ground up and we've built our own frame. And I should add, you know, there are a few companies out there that are OEMing frames from from other companies. And you can usually look and see like, okay, that frame looks a lot like that frame, but they're two different companies. That's not what we did. So we actually went through the development process from the very beginning. So, so many thousands of dollars of tooling to get to a place where we have something that's totally our own. So it is a Gen 4 based frame but it's got a totally different interchangeable backstrap system. It's got really great texture all around it. We used a new laser technology to texture the inside of the mold so that the texture wraps around the grip more than a normal just production gun. And so you can actually, it feels and looks a little bit more like custom stippling. 
But I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it comes right out of the machines as a production frame. And so that helped a lot, of course, on the cost side and the control and quality side to where we're now, you know, these guns are in the, in the cases between $799 and the most expensive one we sell is like $960 or, you know, less than $1,000. When you consider what goes into it, I mean, that's, I mean, it's pretty unbeatable, honestly. But it really was just that transition from custom to production and high volume work that's brought the cost down and allowed us to sell it for a, what's more of like a reasonable price for a production gun. Yeah, absolutely. And you said everything is made in-house? Well, so yeah. So one of the things that was different about Shadow from the very beginning was we kind of had a deep pocket behind us, meaning you know we were owned by a private equity company based in Dallas called Catalyst Partners longtime gun guys and shooting enthusiasts, the right people to have behind you. These aren't just like guys looking to make a buck. They're actually passionate about the industry and about the quality of the product. So from the beginning, you know, we knew if we wanted to be the most price competitive, we were going to have to invest a ton in our own in-house manufacturer and our own tooling. I mean, the reality is in the gun world, you'll see it time and again, a lot of people don't really make their own stuff. And in particular, in some of the custom shops, I mean, there, frankly, there's just a lot of outsourced manufacturer. So I get it. And uh, that makes sense. You should, you should use somebody who's an expert at something to do the work in some cases. So if somebody's really good at making AR lowers, then yeah, use them and, and then put your brand on it. That's very common. But in our case, we wanted to actually invest, frankly, the millions of dollars that it was going to take to do things in-house that really nobody else was doing. So who else is metal injection molding Glock 19 locking blocks besides Glock? I'm not sure really anybody is. Who else is uh, injection molding polymer internal components for the slides, the spring cups, the spacer sleeves, the channel liners? There are some that are doing it, but they're pretty few. You know, it, the list kind of goes on like that. So we've just done a lot more in-house. We're machining barrels and slides, you know, 15 feet from where I'm sitting we've just done a lot more in-house than most have. And that just means that our cost structure is better. So our prices are better. So the answer to your question is, yeah, Shadow Systems is building things in-house and is vertically integrated stuff that really most companies haven't. It's amazing. I'm just looking at everything and just talking to people that really put your, uh, your gun through the paces. It's uh, it really shows. Uh, And that's what everybody's told me. And it, that this is a pistol that's like running head to head against the $2,500 option. Yeah, and, right. it's, and it's coming in uh, well, well, well below that, more than yeah. half below that and exceeding it. So it's, I can't imagine the amount of time you put into engineering and just what went on there in the, the labor behind discussing and hammering out ideas. Well, yeah, it's funny you should say that. That's kind of the joke. And I mentioned it earlier. Um, and I think I've said it on video before. It's like, we just like agonized over some of the dumbest shit that I'm sure people will never notice, but it's like, we really obsessed because we're scared, right? You don't want, you don't want to release a product and have it be a flop, right? Mm -hmm. Especially when you're new. And we kind of, in some ways had one shot to get it right. Not only from a market perception perspective, but also if you're going to go spend a million dollars, like you better get that right. So when we went into this thing, it was just like these endless, 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 endless tweaks and revisions to to get to a place where we were like comfortable that it was going to meet the vast majority of shooters' wants, wishes, and desires. 
you know, I mean, I, I could, I can pick it apart because I see the flaws. I know where they are, but you know, when we were dealing with some of the tool makers and building the tooling, they had to stop and say like, look, the things that you're worried about, people are never even going to see. And it's true because now I go pick up polymer guns from other companies and I'm like, how did they let this go? This looks like shit, (laughs) but it's, it's just because you have that super overly critical eye. But I think that's what the customer deserves, right? Because this, you know, guns are expensive. And beyond that, like they serve the very real purpose of potentially protecting somebody's life, right? These are, these are for the, these are built for the good guys. So I think that that level of obsession and care is totally warranted. Um, especially when you start to get into the seven, eight, nine hundred dollar price point, like it had better be damn near perfect. And it had also better have really good customer service behind it. And I think that's one other thing that's helped us. And I would encourage anybody who doesn't know the company to go poke around on Instagram and look for stuff about shadow. But what you'll see is, I mean, our response time for issues, I think beats just about anybody else. I've had the experience so many times where I call a major gun company because something's wrong with my gun, whatever. And, and every time I call, I feel like I'm bothering somebody on their lunch break or something. It's, it's never like, you know, oh my God, I'm so glad you called. We got to fix that. Here's what we're going to do. And that's just how we've approached it here. So we've had, we've had two MR 918s come back of the, you know, thousand or whatever that have gone out the door. One was for a trigger that was a little grittier than the guy liked. And he was, you know, he had, there was a good point. Like it didn't quite feel right. It had slipped through. And then the other one I think was for a sight that was crooked or something. But in both cases, those guns went back to the guy the next day. So it was less than 24 hours turn time in our shop from when they were received. And that I think is what is starting to set us apart as well is like that kind of customer service. That's what we want to be. It's uh, it's incredible because when I first reached out to you guys, Jess responded to me within 11 minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and she's uh, she was super helpful, answered all the questions I had. Which I'm sure were like super annoying questions. Oh yeah, you know, I, I'm. Uh, I'm You're sure. like, does the trigger like come in any other like colors other than like black? I didn't. I did not pull an Ava and ask for a pink trigger. I didn't do that. Oh, okay, first of all, I don't even like pink. Okay. Yeah, if I was a woman who was shopping for guns, I would maybe be a little offended because it's like, do these people think that all they need to do is make a pink gun and then I'm gonna buy right? it? Yeah, no. it's just kind of cheesy. You know, it's always bothered me. No, no. Um, I know. I totally agree. It's like, okay, well now we have our female line and it's pink and purple. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's one of the things we did with the MR918 was if you look at the the contours of the frame leading to the trigger, uh, and it's been done in the custom Glock world for a while, but it's very time consuming. Well, we built this into our frame. If you look at the trigger, it's got a big, deep chamfer on the, like behind the trigger. Mm-hmm. So, so what that does is when your finger is reaching into the trigger, if you have a smaller hand, you've removed a lot of the material that would otherwise basically keep you from reaching the trigger the right way. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of stuff like we've tried to make it a little, we always joke that like a, you know, a Glock kind of feels like a wet two by four or something, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't, it doesn't really doesn't, it doesn't quite, I mean, they shoot well, don't get me wrong, but it just really doesn't seem like uh, they're just built for the kind of lowest common denominator. This is like every man gun. There's not a ton of thought that goes into some of the ergonomics. I don't think personally I'm biased. Um, so we've tried to add that in. So I think more, more female shooters or young shooters would find 
the MR918 fits their hand well, especially with the flat back strap, because it comes with back straps that completely change the point of the gun. It's either, you know, we, you know, we kind of don't think that like small, medium, and large is really the right answer to the question when it comes to back straps. We think it's natural point. So we have a back strap that's like a Glock that points, you know, has a big high hump on it and points like a Glock. And then we have back straps that are just dead flat. And they're a lot more like a 1911. So if, you know, if you're used to those other designs and you pick up a Glock, sometimes it feels very weird. But with the MR918 pistol, you can make it feel like those other designs, basically, and get it to what's natural for you. And that's, I think, helpful for female shooters as well. Yeah, definitely. You guys are, are you in Pennsylvania? No, we're in Plano, Texas. Oh, okay. Are you from the East Coast? I'm from California, actually. Huh. Because I sense a little bit of an accent, like an East Coast accent. Well, I was I was putting on my East Coast accent to make myself sound more intelligent. Oh, but I, I guess I could I could just drop it since you've obviously seen through it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're busted. That's mm-hmm. a, I'm not real. I lived. I mean, I lived out there for a while. I went to West Point. I was in New York for a while. Maybe that's where it comes from. I don't know. It could be. Yeah, because I'm I'm pretty good at like picking up accents, but apparently I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's what we've been up to. And I mean, you know, <clears throat> we're not perfect by any stretch. And there's, you know, every day we want to improve and better and tweak and change and so forth. But it's, I mean, that's the journey, right? To to try to get to that perfect product that, you know, answers everybody's questions. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to take a quick break and hear from one of our advertisers. All right. So Hackett Equipment. So they have the Little Bertha. The Baby Bertha is coming out in a few months. Uh, until then, though, the Little Bertha, it comes like in a coyote color. It holds two handguns as pouches for all these magazines, ammo, tourniquets. I mean, it's it's definitely like the go-to range bag. I highly recommend them. Check them out at HackettEquipment.com. That little Bertha bag is going for $79.99, but if you use that code GUNFUNNY20, you will get 20% off. All right, so what are your guys' future plans? Well, actually, that was a big topic of discussion yesterday. So we had a kind of annual board meeting and went through progress and looked at kind of next generation stuff. And oh, I don't know how much I can say. I'll tell you this. So we're definitely interested in applying some of the same design principles that have made the MR918 a success. Some of the, you know, the value, the quality, the reliability, especially. We're interested in taking those same manners of design and so forth and applying it to some AR platform stuff. So, you know, there's no question that there's a lot of players that are in the AR-15 space and it's very, it's, it's difficult to compete, especially since, you know, there's some really price competitive offerings out there. <clears throat> but we also think that we've identified a few gaps and we also think that there's some kind of additional technology that we could apply that would make those guns even better. And I think we have a design concept for a gun that nobody is really building. And so that's, that's probably part of what's going to be seen. And I'll say the next like six to eight months would be some AR-15 stuff from Shadow. And then there's also a plan to continue with polymer pistols. Of course, I would actually open it. You know, I'd, I'd love to hear your guys feedback on this because one of the big debates is 
does the, is the next one bigger or is the next one smaller? So the MR918 is kind of compact size, Glock 19 size pistol. The debate is, do we go to a full size frame next and do like more what you'd think of as a conventional holster pistol, like a, you know, SIG M17, Glock 34, Glock 17, something that size? Or do we shrink and jump into the single stack game with what, are, you know, which there's many guys doing that now too. But I mean, what are you guys thoughts? Uh, oh, I got you on this one. I, I would split the difference on, on this to, to kind of cover uh, a little bit of ground. I would, uh, I would in-house make a, uh, a 19 long slide. So a 17 mm-hmm. slide for, mm-hmm. for the 19 frame. I would skip the 17 entirely right now and jump to 34. Sure. You, you, you already offer 17 slides. You do those as well anyway. So you can get the long sight radius in your compact model that's already your built-in clients. And, yeah. then, and then you go to the 34 and you're chasing the extreme duty guys and then the guys that want to run yeah. uh, competitions with your gun. And I think that's probably the most cost-effective and smart way to jump into that. Okay. Ava, what do you think? I would probably agree with Chris. I mean, typically when you see all of these upgrades, I think that they're typically used for competition or target mm. practice. But I don't know. But then again, I mean, you, I guess you don't see it. It's definitely more common with full size guns than it is with compact. Yep. So then maybe it would kind of give you guys an advantage over the competition. Yeah. So, so let me respond to those because I, what you guys have said is echoed a lot of the things that we've talked about. So Chris, as far as the 34, the, the good news is since it's on the same frame, the real development for us is more on the frame side than it is could be a 17 or a 34. So if we did go quote unquote full size, it would just be, hey, we now have a full size frame and then we could, we could easily do the 34 and the 17 kind of at the same time, which would be yeah. cool. But I agree with you. I think the 34 is more, frankly, more interesting and there was there's a lot more demand on that gun from the competitive world as well, which is a place where we would fit pretty, pretty good. As far as the long slide 19, you know, it, it's, it's really interesting because I agree with you completely. Long slide guns with a short grip frame are like the most logical carry guns because the grip is all that really pokes out. And the slide, if it's long or short, you don't really notice that much of a difference might as well take advantage of a longer slide, longer sight radius, maybe a little more velocity out of your ammo. I mean, that totally makes sense. What's interesting though, because we've spent a lot of time talking to our our customers, which include distributors and so so on, is they've kind of led us to believe, and if you think about it, I kind of think it's true, that the long slide short grip guns don't always sell as well as the long grip short slide guns. So like the Glock 19X. Yeah, isn't it interesting, right? The Glock 19X is a good example. So it's like, it's kind of irrational in the sense that it's got a short slide with a long grip. That's not a, I mean, if you want a 19 and you got huge hands, okay, that makes sense. But as a carry gun, it's like, well, if you got the long grip on it, how is the short slide helping? You know, it doesn't quite, it seems like it should be the other way. Yeah, but, but they've sold like so a bazillion many. of them. Yeah. And exactly. And so what we heard, and I think it's interesting is just be careful with the long slide short grip frame gun because they, they look weird. Like it's not, it's not that they're not very, you know, great for their purpose, but they just look a little like out of balance kind mm-hmm. of. And people do make a lot of purchasing decisions on their, on the aesthetics of guns, right? And 
I mean, I, I kind of get it. So I, I think it makes a lot of sense. And I would love, I mean, I would be pretty easy for us to release that. But we've just kind of kind of paused because it's more like, well, people seem to gravitate toward the opposite, like they did the 19X. Yeah. I know that Palmer 80 came out with their, it's basically the opposite of the 19X. I have one actually mm-hmm. right here in front of me. And uh, I'm curious to see how well they did with that design. Because mm-hmm. I think you're right, because I'm looking at it and it does look slightly off. It looks kind of weird, right? You have to, You have to do it. You have to do it right. Obviously, aesthetics are gonna are gonna come into play. I think an undercut at the end of the slide, kind of uh, taking yeah. some of that material off, is important. Uh, basically, because it uh, yeah, it makes it look that, shorter. If you get that scaled down uh, combat master look, basically, and you try to yeah you try to chase that aesthetic, then you know that's gonna work. Basically, yeah. If you look at everything, whenever Glock says anything, it's just a, a volley of everybody demanding. The uh, the L the nineteen L and, yeah, and yeah. it's not happening and I know why they did the nineteen X and that's to that was mag capacity uh, on a duty belt and being able to draw from a car that's the reason they gave at least <laughs> like I said mm-hmm. they wanted you to be able to pull from that but then at the same most everybody carries a flashlight now and most everybody carries an X three hundred so you still got that same length there it's, it's true. Just, it doesn't matter. You know, and then you have to wonder if people just bought it because they're Glock fans and they need every model out there. That's and it's flat, darker earth, and it's you know, yeah. and it looks like got well, a lanyard on it, right? Color. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a good question. That's yeah. a good question. And we're the MR918 is is probably going to be some flat, dark earth variants of it pretty soon. Nice. We've uh, mostly focused on like the titanium carbonitride bronze barrel. We like that finish a lot. I mean, it's kind of a, first of all, it's a really cool industrial finish that's got great wear and performance characteristics. It is also a hard finish though to get right. It's, um, you know, you, you really have to be a master of physical vapor deposition coatings to do that right. And so if you, you can sometimes have color issues and so forth, um, but it's a, really great finish and we've had good luck with it but you know to some people it might still feel or look kind of blingy i think it's a lot less blingy than the gold that you see than the gold tin and it's got better performance characteristics in general but we're probably going to be doing more black barreled versions of the mr918 flat dark earth as well and then and then there's this question of what's the next gun like we've been talking about and I would be, I would totally be up for the long slide version of it i think that again it makes perfect sense to me I mean, after that, it's it's either full size or single stack, and and frankly, full size might almost make more sense for us. We've had some of our um, this was a surprise to us, but we've had some of our first requisitions for law enforcement samples for the MR918, which I really didn't expect. You know, I thought it was going to be a while before it was embraced outside of kind of the custom world. Sure enough, here come a couple letters, and so there's going to be some MR918s that are going to be in testing for for law enforcement stuff. Small departments, of course, this isn't like, you know, NYPD called, but, um, but it's exciting. Mm -hmm. And it does kind of suggest that this brand can kind of transcend just the custom world, which is what we wanted. And I think it's that reliability principle that's, that's doing that for us. But that also then makes me think, well, hey, maybe, you know, maybe there is a, a longer term strategy for shadow that's more on like the agency side. And maybe we do, maybe a full size does make sense as just a conventional holster gun, you know, so. Anyway, it's exciting. There's just so much opportunity right now. And, you know, we're, I mean, it seems, seems like the trajectory is clear. Like we're, 
we're being well received and that's just so exciting for us. Yeah. Especially when, like you've mentioned before, there is a lot of competition out there. I mean, it seems like everyone is doing some sort of Glock upgrade and, you know, and so you guys are doing exceptionally well considering how much ground you've covered just in such a short period of time. Right. And it's, it was really, you know, about kind of decoupling the brand from Glock. I mean, we, we've tried to do that with the MR918 because it, it definitely uses the Glock operating system as many designs do as P80 and Faxon. And, you know, the Glock mm-hmm. operating system is kind of the most proven operating system out there. I would, I would say it really is at this point. It's, it's a design that we have tremendous respect for, but in a way it's kind of like Android software now. It's pretty much open source software. It's on phones. It's on tablets. It's all over the place. So we just like to think of that as being our operating software. But after that, I mean, the differences are pretty substantial. And mm-hmm. if, even if you pick up an MR19, it just feels a lot thinner. It feels a lot smaller. The way we've set the serrations into a pocket on the slide, the way we've recontoured the grip. I mean, there's, there's a lot more differences than similarities, frankly, between the MR918 and Glock in terms of how the gun shoots and performs and all that stuff. So, and feels. So it's, it's exciting. And we just want it, we want it to be seen for what it is, which is kind of like the best features that have come out of the custom world at a price that frankly, nobody can touch. And they can't because they just haven't invested as much in the supply chain and in their own capability as Shadow has. It just, we've driven our costs down and um, it means we can offer it for a price that's not insane. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Where can listeners find you? Well, so uh, I guess, do you mean the guns in stores or do you mean uh, like on, on the interweb? Um, so okay, first of all, we're not talking about grinder. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Why am I even here then? I mean, well, I'm yeah, sorry you had to hear that, Chris. Can we cut that out? Can we edit that out? Is that okay? <laughs> no. So yeah, so the guns are all over the place now. If you go to our website, we've got uh, an interactive map that shows our dealers all around the country, which is cool. You also can find them now. They're starting to appear in some bigger gun retailers, like they're in Bass Pro and Cabela's now, um, which was a big win for, for Shadow. But we also want to emphasize, like, it's the dealers that have made this, this brand successful. We've had a lot of people from a lot of gun shops around the country who have taken the plunge on Shadow and have inventoried, you know, substantial dollar amounts of Shadow Systems inventory. And, and so we really like to emphasize like the local gun stores are great too, because those people know what, you know, they know about the brand, they know about the guns, they can answer a lot of good, hard questions about it, which is, which is, you know, with a gun like this, that's important. You want to know what all these details are and why it's done the way it's done. So check out the local dealers on our, on our website as well. And uh, then, uh, you know, outside of that, we've got We've got a pretty active uh, Instagram page. We try to post a couple times a week. And we, we're also now doing these technical Tuesday videos, which sometimes I'm embarrassed by because it's like pretty low budget. <laughs> but but the um, the content, I think, is good. I mean, we get into the technical stuff that people kind of want to know. Sometimes it's like uber technical. Sometimes it's more high level for new shooters. But every Tuesday, we post a technical Tuesday video and that's another good way to just learn about the product and the brand and kind of who we are. And do you guys, are you posting it on like social media, YouTube? Yeah. So it's on, we got a YouTube channel, Shadow Systems Corp. That's got all that stuff on it. And then, you know, we usually link it from Instagram and so forth. Very nice. 
Very nice. All right, cool. So do you have uh, time to hang out with us for the rest of the show? Yeah, let's let's get weird. I'm ready. All right. Hell yeah. That's what I like to hear. Yeah. All right, Q, uh, I was on their website and I kind of had a laugh because I clicked on the Sugar Weasel, which is their newest edition, uh, their newest spiram that they just added. And the description says, the Sugar Weasel, a seven inch direct impingement piston chambered in 300 blackout that was made at the request of some poor folk who can't afford the honey badger. <laughs> which is- pretty funny but it is it's it's very similar to the honey badger it is less expensive i think it's like eight or nine hundred dollars less than wow. honey badger yeah so it's retailing for 15.99 and has a lot of the honey badger features but obviously it's not the honey badger but i have seen this gun in action it shoots really well ivan from kit badger he actually took it on uh, what is it called it's some sort of some something games like some warrior game thing where they're using guns, but they're also like going through some obstacles and stuff. So I saw some of that footage and he, I think he came in second place. So they wow. got well for him. Yeah. So if you guys want to check that out, go to live com. Dropping wisdom. Slinging truth. Prepare yourself for knowledge bomb all right so i don't know how to uh pronounce the it's m dash garat g-e-r-a-t uh german but it's also known as the big bertha it was nasty huh aka thick nasty yeah the big bertha uh which uh hackett equipment knows all about the big bertha they have a bag named after big bertha so the Big Bertha was a gun used during World War One. Uh, oh, this is that huge rail gun, right? Yeah. So yep. it was so yeah, powerful that troops had to move 300 yards away and put cotton wads in their ears, eyes, and nose, as well as open their mouths so that their eardrums weren't uh, bursted by the pressure when they shot it, which is like insane. Can you imagine? Like, oh, let me put some, uh, you know, some cotton wedges in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so just a little bit after researching this. So it's, it's a 42 centimeter, 17 inch caliber barrel, which makes it one of the largest art- artillery pieces ever fielded. Not a carry caliber. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, it weighed 42 metric tons, had a maximum range of 10,200 yards, which is insane. The gun stood 14 feet, nine inches tall. 32 feet, 10 inches long and 15 feet, five inches wide. While the barrel itself was 16 feet and six inches long. I think it's, uh, it's, it's awesome. It took forever to load. I think they could only fire like eight rounds uh, an hour or something like that. Wow. Well, and then I guess the ones that they used in world war one, it was still prototypes. I don't think, I don't think they eventually uh, replaced that gun. I think it had some issues with, I don't know, maybe ammunition or something. I was sure. Kill, killing personnel, <laughs> like right. everybody bleeding from the brain. <laughs> yeah, fire at your own risk. But yeah, pretty crazy. And that was in World War One. All right, so let's talk about Sportsman's Guide. So I have some kind of cool news. So I've never gone hunting before. I've never really had an interest in it. 
but I have a friend who uh, shoots coyotes and now that we signed Sportsman's Guide as an advertiser, I was thinking, you know, since they offer so much like camping and hunting and fishing and boating gear, I figured, you know what, it's time that I branch off a little bit and I think I'm going to go hunting. So I just put in an order for a bunch of camo clothes, which was a little more exciting than I thought it would be. <laughs> I'm all excited about my new camo clothes, but I'm also kind of excited. I'm, I'm excited and I'm also terrified, I guess just because I've never, I've never gone hunting. Like I've never killed, I've never shot anything. I've stepped on like spiders before and that's about it. Are you guys, have you guys ever gone hunting? I grew up hunting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I capped a deer at one point and it really wasn't that enthusiastic about it. I mean, I didn't feel bad. Yeah. It wasn't even that. It was just more like, you know, okay, I shot this thing and then now I got to cut it up and eat it. Yeah. And, so you I know, so I, I think if I'd been raised around it, I would be totally into it and I totally support it, but it just on mm-hmm. a, per, on a personal level, I just, it didn't really, I didn't really jazz me that much. It really didn't. Yeah. You. I always joke. I'm like, cause I'm a firearms instructor. So I've always joked with my students. Like, yeah, I teach people to like protect themselves against other people. Like animals. I like it's the people that, you know, <laughs> And, I mean, I always, and I'm very much like an animal lover. And even like if I went to Africa or something and shot zoo animals, like I don't think I could bring myself to do that. I mean, so, at, the, at the risk of harming everyone's perception of my masculinity, I don't think I could either. Right. I'm not a trophy hunter. I can't do it. I, I'm, I grew up hunting and hunting for food is fine. Land preservation is fine. So invasive yeah, species sure. and everything like that. But, uh, yeah, I couldn't just take a killing it. Although I think yeah, that they once kill. they do kill it, they they give the meat to like local. Yeah, they do. They do give the meat to like the local village or whatever. Yeah. I yeah, no, I, I and you know I've also kind of looked at the arguments around does that kind of big game hunting ultimately support preservation more than harm it? And I think it probably does. So yeah. you know, I I I do buy this idea that. You know, big game hunters are in many ways some of the biggest proponents of the preservation of these species. Um, I think that's true, and it's kind of counterintuitive. Um, but just on a personal level, like, yeah, I, you know, it's probably not. I mean, you're just you're flying across the world, and you're going to go shoot a zebra. I just can't. I mean, it's not my scene. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I would rather just go sightseeing and take pictures with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I'd rather like drink beer with a zebra. And I know, out. right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> But I am kind of excited to do this. I am going to videotape the entire trip. What are you hunting? Is this the coyotes or are you doing yeah. deer? Okay. No, coyotes. I don't I don't know if I could do deer at this point. But coyotes, you know, they're typically mean. They, like, kill people's pets and stuff. So I, it makes me feel a little bit better. At least that's what I've told myself. Like, I'm going <laughs> to prepare for this. So, yeah, I, I will document the entire trip and uh, put it on my... Ava's going to go kill a dog because it's eating. That's <laughs> like... <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't it's even... so hard for me to think about like a coyote because then think about dances with wolves, dancing yeah. dances with yeah, dances with wolves. You know, I mean, didn't the guy like friend a coyote? That <laughs> was a wolf. That was a yeah. wolf, but the yeah. principles are there. The, the okay, uh, were wolves, coyotes, whatever. You know, the clues were in the title. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, when are you doing this? Hopefully, in the next two or three weeks. So yeah, I'm excited. But guys, check out they 
sportsman's guide has a bunch of different hunting gear. I mean, literally they have stuff for everything like gardening and boating. Oh, yeah. And I mean, it's just insane how much stuff they have. So definitely check them out. Sportsmansguide.com. Tell them we sent you. And now let's get into our AF segment. Stupid, funny, cool, interesting, awesome, as All right. So I'm sure that you guys have probably already seen this news. It's been kind of making the rounds. But if you haven't, recently a Massachusetts teacher was accused of planting live ammo at a school and then calling police. They got him on video too. I don't know how much accused it is. Yeah, I know. Like what a freaking idiot. So he he takes out, he, he brought, I don't know how many cartridges of nine millimeter and he put it in the rear stairwell and then next thing you know he reports it but there was camera footage of him doing this Mm. and uh when he when he was asked like why did you do this he said that he was just trying to get the point across that there should be some sort of metal detectors at the entrances of schools which i'm not disagreeing with that but i think that there's probably a little bit better ways to get your point across yeah and this is why I have a hard time where, you know, when people say like teachers should be armed, I don't think every teacher should because there's definitely, there's whack jobs like in every, any every population. Area yep. of, yeah. Every, every career. So yeah, but I couldn't, when I read this, I just, uh, I couldn't believe it. I don't a hundred percent buy his excuse. I think he sat there with an attorney in there and they, and they came up with the least problematic reason for doing it. I, I honestly, uh, I have a friend that was a cop there and actually moved away, moved to uh, Idaho and he's happy as hell. And he talked about stuff like this, that they're constantly fishing for this like next gun hysteria moment that they, they just fantasize over it. It's a, uh, it's just a, a problem where you want something so badly to be the case that, well, we're just going to have to manufacture it. Like, yeah, that, that's that's where it gets scary when when people become so overzealous about their own agenda, whether it's political or whatever, that they think it then justify. Like, I'm so right about this thing that I can then do wrong things to get it to, you know. It's like uh, the, the Smollett thing in Chicago. It was the same thing. It was like, you know, a belief in something that, well, this it's not real, but damn it, we need it. Like, so we're going to make it happen. Like, Yeah, sure. <laughs> the same thing over again. Yeah, and then when they checked his car, they found 102 live rounds of 20 gauge shotgun ammunition and uh and then recently and then found out that his license to carry was expired in Connecticut. <laughs> I don't know, just freaking weird. It's like you can't even make this stuff up. They did make it up. That's exactly what they did. <laughs> they absolutely made it up. <laughs> uh yeah, just all right, moving on. All right, so some exciting news. We just signed a new advertiser, Sharps Bros. We had them on the show last week. And after the show ended, John asked for ad rates. And uh, yeah, he now supports the show. So really exciting. I'm happy to have him just because, and like he said in the last episode, you know, people, some people hate his stuff. Some people love it. I like that he thought outside the box with his designs and it's different. And I definitely think that the industry needs, you know, 
uh, something different, something innovative, but also, you know, not so innovative where it's like, what the hell? But yeah, I think, I think what he's created, he's doing an excellent job. There's a lot of cool products coming out with Sharps Brothers, which I'm excited, like the chassis that he was talking about. And, uh, yeah, I think go check them out, sharpbros.com. They're also on social media. So go over, like, follow their pages, tell them that we sent you. And, uh, I'm really looking forward to working with them. Watch the, uh, listen to the cast here. He's a wild man. And I, like, I really had a, I didn't know the background of everything with them, but no. it's uh, just a really great company. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, hearing the background and stuff just makes you like them so much more. And well, I would like to be the guy that, that worked at Microsoft. I think yeah. I heard that episode. Yes. Yeah. 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 And then, you know, and then next thing you know, he's like selling porn and stuff. And he was kind of on a, like a, a, a crazy track, mm-hmm. but uh, then he got his life together and he started working at Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> No, we joke with them. We're like, okay, so considering your track record growing up, you would think that you'd be like the biggest drug dealer ever right now. (laughs) But yeah, he's a really good guy and really excited to have him part of the Gun Funny family. All right. So now I'm going to introduce a new segment. It's Q&A with Ava. Q&A. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours. When I came out with this segment, I posted it on the Patreon Facebook group and I let people ask questions first before launching, you know, the segment and letting the general public know about it. And a lot of the patrons were asking like, okay, well, is there anything that we have to stay away from, avoid? Does it have to be PG? And my response was, you know, whatever, it could be anything, keep it kind of PG, like, don't, you know, go and ask me about, like, how do you, you know, ask me about, like, anal beads or something. Right. You know, so the first question that was semi-appropriate. Was it about anal beads? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, No, the the first question that I thought was a good question was from Sven from Manicore Arms, and it said, and he asked, do you have a current mentor in or outside of the industry? Good question. And I want you guys to answer this as well. But for me, so my mom growing up, I always asked her for advice and she always gave like amazing advice. And then after she passed away, I didn't really have anybody to like ask advice. Like I'd ask like a few family members, maybe friends, but you learn kind of quickly to just sort of, I don't know, I've gotten like really independent. But as far as like the firearm industry recently, like starting my own YouTube channel and uh, just a lot of opportunities opening up. Mr. Guns and Gear. So Mike from Mr. Guns and Gear has been extremely helpful. Even yesterday, I was talking to him um, on the phone and he saw like uh, my recent YouTube video that came out. And so he like messaged me at like 6am like, hey, give me a call about your recent video. I have some stuff to tell you. So I do appreciate like he is always looking out for me. And he's one of the few people in the industry that won't even think twice about giving you advice where I've kind of noticed like if there's other podcasters or content creators, they're like, oh, I don't want them to know my secret, which mm-hmm. is like, so ridiculous. You could easily Google a lot of this stuff, but sure. I just, it kind of makes people petty. Whereas like he won't even think twice. He's like, yeah, you should do this. And, you know, and oh, I just found this. Uh, he recommended uh, something that I use when I'm videotaping to make things a lot easier. And, and just like things like that, which are, 
again, you can probably Google this stuff and, and find the information on the internet, but it just makes it so much easier when somebody with his experience, like just kind of, Hey, this is what I went through, or this is what I've found to be really helpful. Or, uh, in my case, like things not to do on YouTube that could get my channel taken down. So mm -hmm. really appreciate him. He is a really good guy. So if you guys don't already follow him, definitely check out his YouTube channel, Mr. Guns and Gear. And uh, he has some some really uh, interesting content. That's the hardest working man I know. I, uh, dude, yeah. he's a beast. Quality is really good too. He's he he does a really good job. It's all, it's super thorough. I'm I've always been impressed by his stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have no idea. I'm like, how do you even have time to fit in a phone call? <laughs> he's like, call me at any time. Here's you know, and I've talked to him quite a few times, and he spent like some a decent amount of time like talking to me and explaining certain things and answering any questions I have. So. Cool. All right. Uh, go ahead. Take it away, Trevor. All right. Yeah. So I was really fortunate uh, to have mentors in the shooting world, um, starting from when I was a kid. So um, I shot competitively uh, in California at a, a couple clubs that just happened to be where some like really great shooters sort of came up. Uh, uh, Casey Eusebio, who's been a competitive shooter and shot for Zev and Glock and a bunch of other places, he and I like traded wins back and forth when we were kids. But probably my closest mentor in the industry has been Taryn Butler. So Taryn's the guy who taught me how to shoot when I was 15 years old. You know, I like there were many times that I like sp spent the night at Taryn's place and we got up the next morning and shot matches or um, just trained on his range. And so, you know, that same range where you see Keanu Reeves and um, Halle Berry shooting now is the range that I shot on, you know, in 1996 or seven or eight as a kid. And so Taryn also, of course, formed um, TTI and has done well. And a lot of the principles that I've applied just to like the way guns are built and my own guns personally, and then at Shadow has been driven by lessons I learned from him 20 years ago or whatever. So Taryn's probably been the biggest influence for me um, just as a shooter, uh, and certainly the way I look at parts and so forth. We've also been fortunate to have somebody on the board, a gentleman named Leland Nickel, who was an executive at Remington and at Smith & Wesson. And he's also been kind of a mentor as well, um, because a lot of the roads that I'm going down as we build this company, he's already kind of been down. And, you know, it's been interesting too, because, you know, I'll be on some little detailed thing and Leland will say, oh yeah, I know the story on that. Here's what you need to know. And so, so Leland's been great. Um, he's working for, I believe, a company called Airhead Sports now that does more sporting equipment, but he's been very much part of the gun industry in his career. And that's been, you know, super helpful. And then I'd say the last person is just my dad. You know, my dad was an entrepreneur and, and, uh, he was a Vietnam vet with bullet holes in him. And, you know, I mean, had just this like really strong willpower to get things done. And, um, happily I've gotten some of that. So he's been a big influence as well. Wow. Really nice. What about you, Chris? Mine's a little boring. Um, my grandfather taught me all the, the fundamentals. She kind of raised me not to be afraid of a gun, and I gravitated to it. And I think a lot of that had to do with the, my dad was very anti-gun. And then sure. I, right, yeah, very, uh, right around 12 years old, uh, he was no longer in the picture anyway. And so um, I, I, I continued on. And I really... Uh, like I always appreciated guns, but I ended up being a bartender pretty early. And then I became a nightclub and restaurant owner really early, like in my twenties, probably too early. And, uh, I 
rapidly learned to appreciate the necessity of a firearm. Sure. And so I did that for about 10 years before I got into the, uh, simultaneously, the video game and the gun industry at the same time. So, and now I'm here. Uh, so I've always been a shooter. Nice. It's crazy how things just kind of fall into place. Like, I, I hate the saying that everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. But it is weird how you look back and you're like, well, if that didn't happen, I wouldn't have done this. And then I wouldn't be. Oh, totally. Yeah. You know. All building blocks. Totally. Yeah. And that's the that's the case here, too, for this, you know, even working for Shadow. I mean, my relationship with the investors started, like, in 2010 when I was an intern. Like, I interned for a summer. And uh, all of a sudden eight years later, I'm a CEO of one of their companies. It just was such a, you know, such a weird connection, but that's how it started. Mm-hmm. Yep. Life is so weird. All right. Let's talk about Polymer 80. Polymer 80. If you guys don't know, they came out with the Kedon or the Kedone. I'm sorry. I want to call it the Kedon, the Kedone, uh, which is very similar to like the, what is it? The Microni, the, um, it mm-hmm. turns your, your handgun, mm-hmm. your Glock into a pistol yep. caliber carbine. But what's nice about the Polymer 80, the, the Cadone is you can change out the adapters and you can fit over a hundred different guns on this, depending yep. on, you know, as long as you have the correct adapter. I believe the adapters are sold on their website for $30 each. So this is, you know, this is actually a really great way to, if you want a pistol, pistol caliber carbine, uh, it's a great way to kind of get that without having to buy another gun or or make one or something like that. And in the long run, it's going to be kind of a lot more affordable. The Cadone right now is on sale for three fifty, but if you use that code GunFunny, you'll get ten percent off, and that is at Polymer80.com. Definitely check them out. I posted a YouTube video recently of shooting it, and I had a lot of fun. And uh, I definitely think that it's well made. Do you know what it's named after? Tactic Talk, discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. (laughs) Sorry, Chris, I didn't mean to cut you off. (laughs) Nah, you do it all the time. I'm used to it, babe. Yeah, I know, but not usually in front of our friends. (laughs) (laughs) So it's named after the Israeli Mossad assassins, actually. Oh, really? I know that it is Israeli in Polymer 80. So they didn't make this. It is a, uh, it's an Israeli company that made it, but Polymer 80 is the only U.S. company that is distributing it. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. What was the recoil impulse like? Oh, like very little, like nothing. And I had the shockwave brace on it, which I am not really a fan of. Mm -hmm. Um, But once I replaced that, I, I did imagine, like, I mean, it was really comfortable to shoot. Oh, SBA three, SBA four for life over here. Yeah. Well, Maxim has like got some good stuff too. Yeah. Who's that? Maxim has also got some good stuff. I don't know if you've tried the telescoping one brace they have. I have not actually. Pretty good. Shit on that. Chris is writing it down right now. Oh, I am. Oh, yeah. Like, what? What? Having to do what I do, I have to have like diversity. So, like, yeah. it's uh, mm-hmm. I can't be redundant on uh on product placement. So, so, um, just a few days ago, I had a friend visit and he had the, I think I'm pronouncing it. Is it Fime? The Fime Rex Delta? Mm, sure. 
And I'm really not familiar with their company. And he's like, yeah, I got the new Rex Delta. And I was like, uh, okay, like I'm pretty up to date with like all the latest things that come out. But I was like, I don't think I know what that is. So anyways, I didn't get to shoot it, but I played around with it. It's pretty interesting. It's, it's pretty slim. It holds 15 rounds. It's, uh, I'm trying to think like what gun. And this is the polymer one, right? Not like the uh-huh. SIG, the SIG kind of copy. Okay. Got yeah. It. Yeah. So it's, it is polymer. It takes apart really weird. So initially looking at it, because as the little tabs, you would assume that it takes apart, you know, just like a Glock. But once you pull those tabs down and you kind of push that slide back a little bit, then it basically just like rotates off to the weird. side. Yeah. So it doesn't, there isn't tabs like you don't, take the slide off from the frame, like moving, you know, forward or backwards or, you know, moving the slide forward. It kind of just sort of, once you pull those, that slide back just a little bit, pull those tabs down, it kind of just rolls off, Ooh, which is really, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. I, cause my friend's like, all right, go ahead and try to take it apart. And here I am like on the struggle bus. But I think that once you kind of get the hang of it, it seems easy, but I don't know. So that was like a little weird. The trigger wasn't that great. It was kind of like it rattled a little bit, which always drives me nuts. Sometimes like with apex triggers, I, I see that it's kind of calm. Like it just kind of, it's like shaky, if that makes sense. So I don't really love that. I did like that there was like these loaded indicators. So you have that typical, the loaded indicator, if, you know, if there's a chamber or I'm sorry, if there's a round in the chamber, but then once the hammer was cocked, it, not the, you know, the internal, the striker, there was a little red dot that stuck out on that back plate. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you know, I mean, you could just be cocked and it would still stick out and it doesn't necessarily mean that it's loaded, but then you would look on that top on the slide and see if there was that chamber indicator. But I thought that was kind of cool because it was uh, pretty noticeable. So if you were ever wondering if your gun was loaded or not. It's always loaded. Yeah, I know. know. That's how mine is too. It's my rule. No, I, I do the same thing. I even teach my students like, cause you know, they say like, I think it's like rule number four, always keep the gun unloaded until ready to use. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, but I keep mine loaded 24 seven. The only thing that I do is I'll just invest in one or two additional magazines and then rotate them out like every month or two months. And obviously some magazines are better than others. Some are made to withstand, like be loaded for long periods of time, but why risk it? So I just, you know, and I always keep two magazines loaded at a time, but I keep my gun loaded 24-7. I go to the range for work with, with an obscene amount of magazines, and I just I have to carry markers with me because whenever they start yep. up, I yeah. have to mark them and throw them. I even, I even yep. have two, two canvas bags, and I hang them on the table out there, and one canvas is for good mags, and the other canvas is for bad mags. And if I'm a little on the fence, I throw them back on the table, and I'll go back through them again. I'll reload them in the... And run them to see where they're at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, even the magazines that I have, I have them like labeled, I don't know, like one, two, three, four or something. So that if I do happen to lose count or, you know, get them kind of mixed up, that definitely helps. Uh, what's really nice though about this, the Delta Rex is the price. MSRP is $479.99, which, you know, to figure, I don't know, they probably sell it for like 400 bucks. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's not bad. So you should have led with that because that would have softened the blow on a lot of other things. <laughs> going on there. I, not for me personally. Like I like something's gotta something's gotta survive a fight for me. That's just my personal 
I like I said, I did not shoot it. I'm really interested to shoot it. But those were just, you know, my initial takes on the gun. And maybe the trigger, you might really like it. Like for a stock trigger, it wasn't bad, but I just kind of felt like it was sort of rattly. And I hate that. I just like a nice, crisp trigger. Yeah, same here. It doesn't even matter if it's heavy. I, I need a short... I need a short reset and, uh, and it could be six pounds if it wants to be, as long as it's a, you know, a short break, short reset. I'm fine. I'm happy. Yeah. I'm looking at pictures of it now. I hadn't paid much attention before. It's interesting. Some of the stuff they did, it's got kind of like that Fred Flintstone kind of layout. It looks like real super angular, like it's carved out of rock. But the thing that's interesting to me is they, they incorporated that exact same it's sort of like an accelerator cut feature next to the takedown that like you see on P80 frames. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's interesting that they, they have like, it's almost exactly the same geometry, although they textured it, but it's, uh, it's definitely there kind of like, again, it's kind of like the wannabe accelerator cut sort of. Yeah. I did actually, and also looking at it, I did like the mag release. It's kind of diamond shaped. Yeah. It looks like it protrudes nicely, but doesn't get in the way. Mm-hmm. Like you can access it easy, but yeah. Yeah. Cool. So I didn't really, I, I didn't you know how you usually have to like turn your hand like kind of yeah to get your thumb on that slide release or on the mag release but in that case i could still keep my finger right along the frame of the gun and still eject the magazine i don't know why extended mag releases aren't angular like that or come to a soft i know so i hate extended mag releases i have on a lot of my polymer 80s and it's so freaking uncomfortable and the only plus side that i could think of is if you're wearing gloves but I don't typically wear gloves when I shoot. So I honestly, I, I hate the freaking. If they, were, if they were domed and extended or pyramidal, but like soft edge pyramidal. Yeah. Instead it would be of, so much better because it's like, you know, things brushing against your shirt. I don't, I mean, I, I go out and I have to draw like 400 times in one day. So little, little things like this irk me. But it's like if you did an extended mag release, but you actually looked at it and we're like, okay, so this is domed. So you can find it with your thumb. It's fine. It's extended. But it doesn't catch on anything. It doesn't. It doesn't hit the side of your holster when you're reholstering. It doesn't. It doesn't snag on anything. So that would be perfect. Because what I have to do right now, like for Glock stuff, I have to get an extended, and then I have to bust out a Dremel, and I have to like round it out on all the edges because I'm OCD. I guess it's. I found what works, and I want to stick to it. Yeah. My my only rule for for extended magazine buttons is you take the gun you put a bag in it, you lay it on its side with the mag button down on a table mm-hmm. and then push on the gun when it's on its side like that and make sure it's not enough to drop the magazine. Cause there's just been so many times in my competitive shooting years where I saw guys snatch a gun off a table and it's, you know, start the start point for a stage, right? They snatch the gun off the table and it's resting on that side. And as soon as they pick the gun up, they activate the extended magazine release and they get one round and their magazines fall into their, at their feet. And so you just got to make sure that however you change the geometry of the button, because we, we experimented a lot and we may do, we've got, we've got some mag buttons that we may eventually put into the MR918. But to this point, we've just used a flat one just out of an abundance of caution, because it's like, I'm more worried about this the stupid stuff like that where you grab a gun off a nightstand or a table or whatever, and it's a single shot. I'm more worried about that than I am, you know, like some insanely fast reload after you've blown through 15 rounds in a gunfight. That's just not as rational, you know? So it's the dumb stuff that tends to get people. It's not like the, you know, not, it's not like every, every gunfight's a Nipsic match. 
So we've just been cautious about mag buttons for that reason. You just got to make sure, test it out and push on the gun when it's on its side and make sure the, the magazine stays in place. Mm-hmm. That's my only rule. Yeah. And that's something I actually didn't even consider. All right. Now we're going to talk about iTunes reviews. Chris, do you want to read this? Or No, you're so much better. You're so critical when I read it. Okay, well, that's because you read like a five-year-old. You're like, I am loyal to the tribe. And <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just embarrassed for you, honestly. Oh, well, like, I, know all, I know all of these are just like sock puppet accounts and you wrote them yourself. So like, it's just, I'm not immersed in the, uh, you need to get a better <laughs> script writer. <laughs> I was just going to have something really good to say. And then I kind of just drew a blank. All right. So loyal to the tribe, five stars. And these are iTunes reviews. These aren't from Facebook, but if you guys do want to leave a iTunes reviews or if you, you know, hate iTunes, you don't, you don't have access, definitely leave us a review on Facebook. It definitely helps the show out, helps to kind of put things on the map and uh, allows other people to find us. So loyal to the tribe, five stars, great podcast. This is pretty, this is a pretty cool podcast. The host does a good job of getting good information out there while not taking herself too seriously. Not to mention, it's also very funny as well. Keep up the great work. And then beard down 12, five stars. Look forward to each episode. Love the show. Always something new and interesting. I'm always learning something and it keeps me laughing. Plus I finally looked up Ava on Instagram and she's super hot. Uh, glad she's not a gun bunny though. Keep up the good work. See what I'm talking about, Trevor? That's, yeah. 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 God. Try to yeah. edit that out too. <laughs> yeah. I guess you're right. That does sound like something I would have said. Cause I'm, oh, yeah. oh, I'm hot. When I first met you, that was how you, that's how you described yourself. Yeah. So we're, I guess were these reviews just like randomly selected or was Ava responsible for picking them? I guess that's the question. They're curated. No doubt. So I, um, I just go in a, like whatever review I read last week, whatever's above that, then I just pick them. Okay. So these were actually legit reviews that were written <laughs> by people, not myself. But Trevor, if you could, out of those two, pick a winner, and I'm going to send them the newest High Point Operator Gun Funny patch, and the High Point is gold. I pick number two. All right, number two, Beard Down 12, contact me. You're the winner. And uh, you can contact me on social media or whatever's easiest or even the contact form. All right, guys. So let's wrap up. So if you want to find Gun Funny, just go to gunfunny.com. There's, I mean, there's links to everything. We have affiliate links. If you click on the support us, if uh, you want to become a Patreon, if you can't get enough of Gun Funny, consider becoming a Patreon. That just a dollar gets you access to our Patreon only Facebook page, which this time around the Patreons got to ask the first round of questions for the Q&A, but there's always like some funny banter and it's inappropriate. And yeah. If you need extra friends, definitely join that Facebook page. Have you Otherwise, Trevor in there yet? No. Oh, Trevor, you're you, I don't know. I don't think Trevor will look at me the same afterwards. It's the Wild West in there, bro. You'll love it. Is it does it get pretty weird? Oh, yeah. No, so I'm definitely not PG. I think I curse more in that group than any of the guys in the group. <laughs> and I'm probably most inappropriate, but I'll it's definitely it fun. It's a fun group. I, I really do enjoy all the people there. And then I just wanted to thank our $25 Patreons. And that is Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran 8888, Charger Arms, 
Ryan Morrison, Kevin Brittingham, Michael Alexio, and Silencer Shop. And because of your Patreon pledge, we are able to afford like an editor, producer, Kenny Ortega. So if you think the show sounds better or if you're happy that he posts it at, I don't know, 2 2 a.m. on Monday, every Monday, you can have him to thank for that. Because before that, I would wait until like Monday night to post the show. And then our king of the Patreon is Jon Snow. And he wants me to say, Operator Tactical's doesn't open up a can of whoop-ass. She makes her own. And we also have Operator Tickle stickers now available on the website at gunfunny.com. She's the cutest. She's the cutest. And and she is a she. I think a lot of people think Tactical's is a boy. All right. And then one last thing, Tac Pack giveaway. Every month we are choosing a winner to give away a Tac Pack box. If you want to enter, just go to gunfunny.com forward slash TP to win the box. Otherwise, if you just want to go and get your own box, go to tacpack.com, use the code gunfunny, and you will receive a free SOG tool with your first box. And Trevor, once again, thank you so much for spending your um, in with us. Tell listeners where they can find Shadow Systems. Absolutely. So um, the website is Shadow Systems Corp, C-O-R-P, ShadowSystemsCorp.com. Um, you can also check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And we're putting stuff up pretty much every day now in one of those locations. So it's a good place to find out about the brand and who we are and what we do and why we do it. Um, and then definitely go check out stuff in stores because when you put one in your hand, that's when it's all going to like make sense and you'll know kind of what our vision was for the product. So I, I encourage you guys to check it out. We also love talking to people on the phone where, you know, we take calls all the time. I've watched my techs talk to people for an hour about a 50 cent part and we don't mind doing it. It's just part of who we are. So if you got questions about about what we do or anything else gun related, we'd love to talk to you. Awesome. All right, guys, we are out of here. Want to send feedback? Suggest a place to prank call? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.